Hello, and welcome to Two Sharp Chefs in a Microphone. I'm Lorraine Moss. And Louis Victor. Our topic for this podcast is Me Too and Gender Equality in the Professional Kitchen. Obviously, a big topic for both of us. We're women. Mm-hmm. This is something that we care about. This is an industry that we've tried to survive in, to thrive in. Uh, but reading statistics like this one, I'm going to tell you, just makes me feel like we have so much more to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, just 22% of chefs and head cooks are women. Yet, we make up more than 55% of the food workforce. Does that surprise you? Well, you know, it's a tough job and, you know, mostly male-dominated. It's not quite surprising, but, you know, I think that women really belong in the kitchen because we're very nurturing and we're gatherers as opposed to hunters. But yeah, we should increase the statistic with the changing times. So it raises questions. How do women continue to rise to the top in the industry? What's going wrong? What's going right? And what can we do to change it for the better? So one of our favorite women that we remember from TV, who actually is a mentor of the other one of our favorite women that we're talking to today. Amazing. Julia Child said, when you flip anything, you really just have to have the courage of your convictions. So that's what we're trying to do here. And that's why we have a very special guest today, especially special to me. Uh, Mary Sue Milligan is here with us. Hi. Thank you for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Co-chef owner of Border Grill downtown LA, of course, in Las Vegas, where we're living, barbecue Mexicana, and soon to be Socolo in Santa Monica. She's, of course, a James Beard Award winner, Julia Child Award winner, one of the two hot tamales, which is close and near and dear to Louie's heart. Amazing. <laughs> yep. And most importantly to me personally, she was my mentor through the James Beard, women, uh, James Beard Foundation Women in Culinary Leadership Program. So let's just start at the point where I know for a fact, because I've seen the pictures, that Julia Child was a mentor to you and your business partner, Susan Feniger. Like, we've been talking about fangirling. What was that even like for you? Oh my gosh, it was fabulous because of course I grew up kind of watching her shows with my mother. And then just like, <laughs> you know the feeling? <laughs> like That's what Louie did I, with the two hot tamales. <laughs> I'm kind of like exploding right now in jubilation. I can't believe this is happening. My mother would be so proud of me. <laughs> I'm so proud of myself. So we met, you know, Julia came to, into our kitchen in 1982, I think, for the first time. And she had heard about our restaurant, read about it in Gourmet Magazine. We had a little tiny cafe and she came in and kind of hit her head in the kitchen on uh, the pots that were hanging she was so tall and but she was immediately like so warm and gracious and curious about our what we were cooking and how we were doing and so we became really friends and she kind of all from 82 until she passed away we were just you know could always call her up she every time we would see her she'd be asking us how we were doing she had us on her television show which was a huge highlight and fun we took three days I think at my house to to tape a one 
45 minute show or something. That's crazy. Back yeah. in the day, that was still film. <laughs> yes. Okay. It so was. that's why. Yes. Yeah. It was film and it was, um, you know, really well done. And she was so engaged in, in the whole process. She was great. And um, she was just always there for me anytime I had a question. And I also, I learned a lot by just watching her and listening to her. You know, she was really humble. She, everybody, she would sign their cookbook. And she would always ask each person a special question, like a personal question about them, even though the line was around the block, you know? Hmm. We'd be at book signings with her, where yeah. we'd be signing our book, and we'd have like three people in line, and then she'd be signing <laughs> her book, and she'd have She's 35. being humble, I've seen a lot yeah. longer lines for them. But. but Julia was great about just connecting with everybody she uh, encountered, and that I took that away. That was one of the biggest things I learned from her. And when you guys went on to do your show, just because we're on this topic, did you think about that? Did you think about, well, what would Julia do? Yeah. I think subliminally, kind of in my the back of my mind, I, I felt like uh, she gave me the license to just screw things up, you know? Like, like you said, the quote about when you flip something, you have to have the courage. She's talking about like flipping eggs. Right. Or, or something in a pan right. that could go splotching all over right. the place. And um, I think her kind of courage to just be herself was always something that, you know, in the back of my mind, I wanted to emulate that and just be myself. So when last year, when you guys walked up to win that award, the Julia Child Award, one of the first ever and the first women, I believe, ever to win that award, was it sort of like a like full circle moment for you? It was so great. I really wished she could have been there because, Uh. you know, she was such a big... Uh, influence and such a you know it was such a for me such a thrill to get the Julia Child Award which has only been given to five people so far and um oh six now because Jose Jose Andres Andres just got it wow which was so well deserved um but I think you know I want I I really wanted to share it with her (laughs) it was just such a huge honor for me to be um you know for me to be honored by her legacy because all the things that she stands for and stood for are the things that you know I I like to think that I try to do the same you know to mentor people to be a great role model to be all about sort of moderation not about anything you know don't put red meat in jail and be a you know hyper vegan but just eat things in moderation you know I loved her that was a huge message that she was always talking about yeah, I think she said, eat, eat in moderation moderately. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Which so is such a brain. So smart. <laughs> um, so seeing that and like remembering what that was like to have mentors like her that were women, was that, I know it has been for me, has, was that important to you that it was a woman also, the fact that she was a woman, so you felt like it's something that you could emulate as another woman? Yeah, I think that um, I have had many men mentors in my career. Um, they're, it, it's a different dynamic and a different thing that you, you know, um, Rich Melman, for example, in Chicago is a really successful restaurateur and he's um, always been a great person for us to call and ask advice of. He's helped us, you know, through business things because we started out when I was 23 and, you know, Susan was just a couple years older. So we really didn't know much about how to run a business. So to be able to pick up the phone and call a guy like Rich and say, 
you know, I think we're going bankrupt. Can you help us? Yeah. <laughs> or what do you think? Like, where Tiny we... question. Yeah. <laughs> How do we make a profit? Yeah, right? exactly. I, we're doing is... the thing we love, but somehow it's not <laughs> filling up the bank account. It's still a nonprofit. <laughs> <Right>? and, exactly. <laughs> right? He was very helpful. And um, other other mentors like Jovan Trebojevic, the Yugoslavian man who, uh, who I broke into his kitchen in the late 70s as the first time he ever hired a woman. Susan was the second woman. But he was a very... Uh, strong influence on me and also a mentor but in a completely different way um, I think I got much more um, valuable kind of really you know palpable mentorship from like Alice Waters and Julia Child and they may not have even known but I was just watching them and looking at what they were doing and I, I had a few conversations with both of them, several, but you know, where they, I really got inspired to, you know, to be confident in, in myself and in the fact that I was a woman in this field and I could do it, you know, and I think, like you said, I think, Lorraine, it's right, there's, you get something different from women than you get from men when you're learning. And I mean, so Mary Sue, was one of my two mentors mm -hmm. through the James Beard Foundation Women in Culinary Leadership Program. Uh, they chose me and then I chose them. And part of the reason why I chose them was because honestly, I'd never had any female mentors in the kitchen, you know, in life, of course. There's, it's kind of hard to come by. It, it is. Well, you're going back to the statistic. Right. 22%. Exactly. You know. So they're not that many out there. Mm -hmm. And then trying to find one that has time to mentor you because they're trying to get ahead too. Right. It's, it's, it's hard. And so it was an opportunity for me to be able to learn directly and speak directly and have access to somebody um, that was a woman and that was very successful at uh, what they did. Yes. And for me, it was really the, I felt the only way at that point for me to move up in the kitchen because I felt like I had learned all the stations, like I had learned different kinds of cuisines, like I did my time on the line, like, but I wasn't getting to the level that I wanted to be in the professional kitchen. And so I felt like being here at Border Grill and having that opportunity to have female mentors, like you said, it's really important to just watch people. So we had these meetings where, you know, we would talk through things and those were amazing. Mm -hmm. Always like talking about creativity, talking about man managing people, talking about managing females, managing males, like just all the intricacies that you could like think about in being a chef and being a manager. Right. But a lot of my learning was traveling with Susan to Nashville or watching how Mary Sue talks with cooks, how she talks with dishwashers, how she talks with other managers, like how you guys carry yourself in public, you know, going to events with you and seeing how you interact with other chefs. And, you know, this is invaluable, I think, in, yeah. in being able to move up and, you know, being able to emulate someone who looks like you. A perfect role model, right? Because we all need that to kind of progress. For like sure. how to behave, how to become the better version of ourselves in the right. kitchen. And it is different being a woman in the kitchen. It's different for many reasons, um, even though for me it was like 30 years later <laughs> from your first experience being the only woman in the kitchen, I was the only woman in my first kitchen and it was... That's scary. <laughs> it was a men's locker room every yeah. day for me and I had to figure out how to deal with it and you know, I wasn't used to being in a kitchen with a lot of females or in that case, 
no females at all. Right. So I felt like, again, I, I needed somebody. It did so much for me in my career and just my outlook in life. So I can totally see how mentors make a difference, but for you, I, I believe I was your first one under James Beard. Yes. Why did you decide to do that, to take your time and your energy and, and put it into something you know, like that that's gonna, you know, you're a busy person? <laughs> well, it's interesting, you know, the more I give back, the more I get yeah. in every aspect, like, you know, serving on boards of nonprofits or, you know, and every time I've mentored, I've mentored lots of people over the years, um, kind of loosely without a real program. Right. Uh, the James Beard Foundation mentorship was much more kind of, you know, it had a, a plan and a schedule. Like a curriculum, and, if you would. Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I loved that as well. But um, I, I tell you, I learn as much from my mentees as I learn as I give them. I'm, I'm sure. I just learn about. I think I have this sense that anytime you articulate something or you teach something to someone, you're you're really what you're doing is you're kind of engraving it more deeply. You're getting more committed to it yourself. Uh -huh. And so I think if you don't teach anything in your life to others. You know, you're never really committing to who you are or what you are or how serious you are about something. So teaching or being a mentor, for me, helps me as much as it helps, I think, the other. I guess, yeah, it's, it's, that's truly correct. Like, you know, you want to pass along the gifts that you've been given and share it, you know. It's, that, that definitely yeah. happened for us and yeah. uh, Think Food Group kitchens are very much that way. You can't move to another station in that kitchen without training somebody to take your position. Yeah. Nice. So that was the key there was, you wanna get out of the meat bar and you wanna go to the saute station, you get somebody ready for that station, remember that? Right. And every yeah. time you move, you always gotta think, who can I mentor? Yeah. And it's partially for you because you wanna move and get ahead, right. but they were you know, doing a little psychological thing on us. Thanks, Chef Dave. Right, making yeah. us teachers by, making us students by making us teachers, basically. Yep. So right. like you're saying, it's like flipping the switch for us. You're also a founding member of Women Chefs and Restaurateurs. That was back in 1993. It's a professional development organization for women chefs, women in the kitchen, advocacy, and they have a mentorship program as well. Today, it's like bigger than ever. Why do you think that we still need to have a program that's especially for women as opposed to just, you know, chefs and restaurateurs? Well, as you started the program with the statistic, I think, you know, there's something wrong when most, you know, more than half of the graduates of culinary school are women, but they're not rising to the top of the profession. So what is it that's happening? So I think we do still need women chefs and restaurateurs and the women's leadership programs at the James Beard Foundation and other, you know, programs that are supporting women because until we have parity in our profession and in all professions, I think we're, as a society, as a culture, we're missing out on a lot of opportunity. So I think I, I am, you know, all about science and about balance and the fact that, you know, women and men are different and what we each bring to the table and how we do things, whether it's cooking or managing people or running a country or, you know, a approaching a scientific problem or whatever it is. Together, if we put both those things together, the yin and the yang and the male and the female, and, and we put our brains together and we give each other, you know, equal 
say, I think we're going to be so much stronger. And we're, we're missing out on this opportunity by keeping women kind of stuck in a pigeonhole of what they're supposed to do, you know, whether it's stay at home and be moms, which is great. And, you know, but it's it's not for every woman. It wasn't for me. I have two yeah. beautiful young men now, but they were little boys, babies at one point. And, you know, I wasn't a stay at home mom. And so it isn't for everyone. But I do think that we are, you know, as a society, missing out on a lot of opportunities that we could have from women who have a lot to offer. Which raises the bigger question of just in general equality. And I feel like this is a watershed moment for women in many ways. for many reasons. It feels like every day there's a new reason. But I mean, right now, in light of the Me Too movement and how much traction it has gotten, how many women has gotten out to have a voice uh, for terrible reasons. I mean, you know, we should have a safe space. That shouldn't be something we're fighting for. Right. It should be. That's (laughs) that's a whole nother. Given already. And, you know, that that moment, was so important, like from good, from a lot of bad came a lot of good, mm-hmm. and hopefully more good in the future. Also, right now, and I, <laughs> I hate to get too political, but I'm going to get political because we tell it how it is here. Right. Um, just reproductive rights are an issue right now as well, um, which is baffling to me. It's 2019, uh, but this larger issue of women, you know, coming together and seeking equality is obviously like a small version in the kitchen that's happening like you know as well at right. the same time and so that for me you know just brings up you know this is all a creepy revelation in many ways but at the same time is it necessary in order to affect change for all this to like come out and come to light these people really feel this way there are people that actually feel this way mm-hmm. and so it needs to be addressed well interestingly i think i have even felt that way but i didn't really allow myself to feel that way you know it's been in there but it I didn't I think you know I wanted so badly to be a success and to be a success in a man's world you know was the way I did it was to sort of in some ways put blinders on and just get through things and also be part of the men's club you know um, in order to get ahead you were surviving I was surviving and trying to get ahead I didn't I wasn't ready to throw in the towel and say okay I'll be a pantry cook for the rest of my life mm-hmm. you know or I'll I'll do pastry you know you know support or whatever I wanted to be a player I wanted to be you know a head chef I wanted to make a difference I wanted to be known out there along with the you know Mario Batali's and Bobby Flay's and everybody and and you know so I think I also kind of tricked myself into believing that I had really achieved a certain amount of equality that I think the Me Too movement really, you know, kind of unearthed some of the still very deep inequalities in this profession and in this industry that I hadn't been aware of because I've owned my own restaurant since I was 23. You know, I'm 61. And Mm -hmm. so I haven't really had to as much deal with the outside world because I've called my own shots. I've been my own boss. Right, right. Now, had I been a man and I worked as hard as I did and did all the things that I did, I probably would be, 
you know, my net worth would probably be four or five times as much as it is <laughs> because I think I wouldn't, I would have had more opportunities. I just, I think I would have. I, I'm pretty sure I see other people that kind of started in the same way that I did, had a lot of the same skills and the same breaks and same, you know, things. And they're, they're definitely, you know, further along. So, uh, but I think for me to resent any of that or to feel like that is a huge injustice is a waste of my energy and effort. So I'd, I, I just, I'm an optimist and I'm a, I want to be happy and full of joy every day and I don't want to focus on, you know, resentment. So instead, I really think about uh, what a great opportunity this is, of course. Right. Because, uh-huh. and we have lovely young women like you, Lorraine, and you, Louie, that yeah. are coming up through the ranks and going to take some of the tiny seeds that people like Susan and I have sown and tried to, you know, breaking in and really be able to amplify it and make a much bigger change. So it's very exciting to me, and I think it's a huge moment and an opportunity for us to claim, you know, what's right for us. We were just talking in the car about yeah. Dominique Crenn, mm-hmm. and well, very much one of those people for sure. Right <laughs> at the forefront of change for female chefs, especially. But at the same time doesn't like to be called a female chef. And I get it. I totally get it. She, last year, when she won the uh, Female Chef of the Year Award, she was, you know, a bit of a rebel about it, how she always is, and was kind of like, why am I the Female Chef of the Year? Why aren't I just take the female out? I'm, can I be Chef of the Year? Is that okay? Like, so it's kind of gotten to that point where like, okay, we were trying to make strides by separating ourselves out a little bit because we needed some time for advocacy and for, you know, mentorship and then now it's kind of like maybe coming into the moment where we need to separate a little bit out of it and just kind of be like okay i get it like we're women chefs but we're also Mm -hmm. just chefs Chefs. how do you feel about you know having a category like best female chef or you know what i mean yeah Yeah. i don't think i think i was i've been over that best female anything for a long time (laughs) right because that's we were always broad when we were given the spotlight it was because we were oh these are the five women chefs that you know are gonna cook for you this time right and it's interesting it's so interesting it's so deeply ingrained in our culture that women take a back seat to men that um i was doing an event last year for um the la food bowl and I wanted to do, without calling it an all women chef thing, I wanted, the first year we did what was called the Beast Feast. Yes. And the next year we did the No Beast Feast because I'm really into plant-based food and I wanted to do all, yeah, I wanted to do all food that was, um, and this was just after the Me Too kind of thing hit, which was in December in our industry anyway. Right. And then it was in May of that year. But when I, I was pitching this idea to the organizers and I said, well, I wanna have, I'm gonna have all women chefs, although I'm not gonna call it a women chef thing. And I want the money to go to the James Beard Women Leadership and Women in Culinary Leadership Programs. And they said, oh, well, we can't do that because we're doing a, an all women event. Um, oh, so there can only be one, oh, right? <laughs> yeah. I said, well, how many all men events are you doing? And what the right? hell? Right. I mean, how could you, could you, I couldn't even believe, and it was right. a woman, that she said it with a straight face. And I was like, 
this is ridiculous. <laughs> you know, I think we could do all women events for like 10 years and, yeah. It, it yeah. Would, you know, just start to even out the scales. Yeah, it's not like a woman quota or something. I'm we shocked. quota for today. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Sh- I'm shocked. Wow. It was weird. I, and I think it's just very deeply ingrained and you right. have to, and even in our own, even in my psyche, I have to constantly be saying, you know, do I, I, I want to, I do want a quota in my kitchen now. I kind of want to make sure I have enough women. Mm-hmm, I want right. to have a good, solid mix that reflects, of you know, not only, you know, gender diversity, but ethnic diversity. And, you know, I want to have it be a, my kitchen be a place where everybody feels safe and welcome and happy. And if it reflects what I see outside in the city, then I think it's going to probably be the most homogenous kind of, you know, have the most uh, opportunity to succeed. Right. So one of the topics at the Women Chefs and Restaurateur conference was, I love the freaking title of this, Changing Bro Culture in the Kitchen One Chick at a Time. I love that freaking title, it's like the best. Right. But besides that, I mean, that's kind of what you're talking about. I mean, it really does have to start at that level. Yes. Of actually just putting people there. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and and really, you know, acting as if, like making sure that, um, you know, we're, we're giving those opportunities to people as often as possible. And when we have that reflection of society in our kitchen or in any business, I think that's when you have the best opportunity and the best opportunity for a healthy environment to go forward. And mm-hmm. we talked a little bit about safe space, that we should all have a safe space. I think just even doing something like that Obviously, communication is a major thing, but mm-hmm. also just having more women in there, it does create like a different culture. Yeah, definitely. Just overall culture. There's like a different feeling in the kitchen. Um, it, it's interesting to me when we talked about this topic beforehand and who we were going to have on for it. I right away thought of Mary Sue because as that Me Too movement was happening and as like people were kind of like <laughs> restaurant groups were dropping and like chefs were dropping, you know. Mary Sue like quickly called me and texted me and was like, hey, I need to know like your thoughts about this. You right. know, like we, we met at breakfast and you asked me questions like, how do you think our kitchens are run? You know, what do you think about the culture? Like, do you feel safe? Do you think other females feel safe? We had that conversation just very shortly after that. Uh, it's when we were randomly, I think, in New York because I was cooking at the James Beard House for the, the mentorship program. Yeah. So we met mm-hmm. and we had that conversation. Right. Um, because and, it was on everybody's mind. And, right. Yeah. And I think I was so shocked. In some ways, I was shocked. And right. In other ways, I was not. Right. Unfortunately. I think all of us kind of. Yeah. I yeah. guess I was shocked at the depth and the kind of insidious depth that some of the behavior had reached. Like, it was just no longer, like, getting drunk and for a laugh late at night acting kind of goofy and mm-hmm. bad but instead it was just sort of really like as a in very you know deeply kind of filtered down into the workplace yeah that and that then I started to worry you know you know I have 400 employees I don't know if I'm doing it perfectly everywhere right. so I wanted to get out there and ask my employees See? like how do you feel how so do you feel that's how a woman would react and that's that's why I think it's interesting because yeah. I had never had a boss that asked me that question right and this is not you know the me too movement has brought this forward but it's not like it just started right. <laughs> you no, know no, no, since no. the beginning of time pretty much yes this you know male dominated and 
we love men. We're not trying to put anybody down or make anybody feel worse. Or it's just it is a male-dominated society and a male-dominated industry, and so this has always been happening. But no one had ever asked me the question. Well, I think the you know in my ever optimistic <laughs> approach to life, I think we have the opportunity in in hospitality to probably flip it around faster than any and then tech or you know theater or you know a lot of these other kinds of areas where um, medicine or science where women have constantly been you know held back basically um, they don't have the they don't have the the luxury that we have we know what good hospitality is that's what we practice every day for our guests yeah. we, we want to make people feel welcome we want to make sure they have a great time so we know how to do it now we just have to do it in our kitchens and in our with our staff and I think that's always been an approach that Susan and I took is if you have happy staff you're gonna have happy customers and I think there's several plenty of people out there in our industry who also have lived by that mm -hmm. but there's also you know enough and and I worked for some people that that you know didn't practice hospitality with their staff right but we know how to do it so we don't have to learn it exactly you, you know your staff it's your guests too you want to keep them right. coming back to you and wanting wanting to work for you so you know you treat them with respect and you know you you make sure that they thrive in right. your workplace. And I also think just <laughs> food wise, uh -huh. when I'm happy oh, yeah. and I'm feeling good, I'm vibing with myself, that's when the food's the best. Right. <laughs> so if your cooks aren't happy, your food's not going to be good. Right. But just the, for that perspective. But historically, coming out of, you know, the, the very hierarchical French sort of, you know, yell at you, shut up, like. <laughs> yeah, that was the way to get that they that they accomplished their tasks was to really be, um, you know, just abusive, basically. Brute, brute and militaristic. Yes. Well, you know, we you, spoke to a psychologist and a I couple was like, weeks ago. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. Where is the bound the boundary to that? What's the borderline? She and, was horrified. Yeah. When we were so just we like, talked to a psychotherapist that works with uh, people in the restaurant industry, and you know, it's it was a very topical topic because of you know the one year anniversary of Anthony Bourdain's death mm -hmm. and you know that's another thing obviously that we need to look at in the kitchen is mental health and as we were describing everyday events yeah and it wasn't even anything like you know yeah. terrible it wasn't yeah. you know getting fired or getting thrown across the room or, or getting physically a, being harmed yeah, in any kind of way like getting hot saute pan thrown in your face but or it was like just that. little things yeah. that we do every day and she's her you could see like her head blowing up her yeah. fire was her, coming out of her hair her, and she was her just face. she was just this mortified. is a recipe for disaster <laughs> and she who's doing this everybody yeah. <laughs> most people I and mean, it was just like normal yeah. stuff kitchen stuff that we're okay with for some reason yeah yeah and we also wonder you know is that because there isn't that gender balance in the kitchen sometimes so, you know, not all of it but some of it i would like to see a kitchen where it's like all women and i wonder if there's like that just just that chick culture like just that and I, i'm trying to observe think, it huh I'm, I'm trying to i mean the female bosses that i know have more female kitchens right so there's more females here than yeah. i worked with at other restaurants yeah and i think we've gone over the years because we've been operating restaurants for 38 years me and susan 
I think there's been times when we had a predominantly female, like, you know, a GM and a head chef and sous chefs and AGM, you know, so there've been times when there were almost all females at, in the positions of power. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't say that I really found that to be better, <laughs> better or, you know, even that different, because I think there's a, a part of us that kind of, you know, we take on I don't know exactly how to put it, but I think I... Well, there are a lot of things. You know, maybe it might be a little bit more emotional kitchen. I don't know. I mean, not all women are emotional. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't... But more feelings. Maybe. Yeah. We do talk about things maybe too much sometimes, and maybe things just need to get done sometimes. Sometimes some people need to be more sort right. of, especially in a kitchen. Yeah. So maybe it's just that whole thing about balance again, because yeah. we're not really asking for necessarily... Dominance. taking over the world you know no, that would not, be nice no. but no but we're talking about equality yes equality. and this is like a huge difference mm-hmm. yeah 22 percent and 55 percent. it's not you know it's nowhere near equality no but we have the opportunity i think and we we know how to do it and i think we will be in one of the industries that takes leadership in bringing women uh and but you know buoying them up to the the level that they need to be in order for there to be gender equality. So in the interest of realism, this is one of the questions that Louis raised that I think is interesting. You know, like, at what point are we being too hard on men or being too hard on kitchen culture? Like, some of it's just kind of fun to be in. So we were trying to figure out what the boundaries were, you know, because we don't want to be totally politically correct either right so like, that would be you know, not fun like yeah you like, want it to I, be fun you want to be able to joke around like you know so where's that shelves. fine line like how do you establish it what we thought of on the way over here our drive from las vegas that was a long <laughs> four drive. hours of like deep conversation that right. women have um what we thought of was maybe it's like being able to read the room maybe that's the key here because you do want to joke around with your friends who yeah. doesn't make like yeah. jokes that are maybe a little sexual or a little like you know well i think naughty even, or whatever it is yes. like even if you take it out of the kitchen and say you're picking up your dry cleaning or you're buying something at 7-eleven there you if, you have to time read the place room. yeah you have to be able to read the room i mean sometimes people are so friendly and funny and you start joking and the next thing you know you've made some weird <laughs> it joke jumped off the cliff <laughs> yeah. but it's okay because you've you've already you know there's something instinctual about knowing that this person would appreciate a little off color right yeah. you know like building comment. that rapport yeah. and having that rapport knowing that you have it yeah and so i think in in the case of um, a lot of people you know like you were talking earlier about the mental health situation in kitchens. Mm-hmm. Kitchens are, you know, it's hard work. In front of the house, too. It's hard, hard work, long hours. You work when all your friends are off. You're mm-hmm. working on holidays, weekends, nights. And so we end up, you know, uh, kind of letting off steam in ways that are probably less than healthy, especially <laughs> when it comes to drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think when you're altered you can't read the room you know well that might be true yeah, yeah. that's then, probably then you why don't. we talked about this too because you remember you were telling me that you know your chef mentality was creeping into your relationship yeah you know so um, the more you work in the industry the more you know you like you learn how to separate yeah but like it's, what's it's, okay what's it's, not okay 
it's actually like being aware like oh i'm not not in my environment right now and i need to tone down the f-bombs this person won't appreciate me like you said making a dick joke right (laughs) they won't appreciate it it. (laughs) this older lady over here (laughs) that's to herself and talks about her kids only and Mm -hmm. talks about religion she's probably not the greatest person to make a dick joke with (laughs) but i mean that's part of it you know it's like knowing your boundaries and also when you step over it to maybe be able to like turn it off when you need to yeah like and and to hear each other you know um one of the things that um that i'm doing here in california is um i've got a California Chef Action Network that I've started that I'm working with a lot of chefs from all over the state to, to really move our climate change agenda forward faster okay. when it comes to the food system. But I met a guy from Sac- Sacramento, Patrick oh. Mulvaney. Do you know him? Yes, yeah, the, I got your back guy. Yep. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, that's and, what we call him now. Yeah. Right, did you have him on the show? No, we actually would like to get him because we yet. did touch on that with the yeah. mental health so issue. So he, he came down and we I had a convening of 60 chefs here in, uh, right here in downtown LA. And we had to spend a whole day and, and night together. So it was a long, like a little mini conference symposium thing. He talked about got your back and it was so, it it's like why didn't I think of that it's mm-hmm. so easy if you just start giving people the language my line cooks my dishwashers everybody to say to each other like hey you seem a little down today yeah what's going on just checking in you know and I feel like that's something that nobody <laughs> really thinks to do Mm-mm. maybe maybe <laughs> women more than men but even even women have you know in the kitchen they've kind of like okay we're gonna get our work done right and we're gonna have fun but we're not really gonna get too you know lovey-dovey pampery kind of like yes. you know making sure we're not gonna and and honestly that's what uh is gonna make mental health a priority i think right when people realize that we care about each other and we and there are there are people we can talk to and we can work these things out with if we have dark thoughts or or feel depressed and then i think that might be the key too in protecting women and creating a safe space it's the same thing it's like that open communication what you had with me which is asking me the questions right. because you're like wow i haven't asked that question i should probably ask it and i think when we had that conversation you had felt like oh crap i didn't ask the question but me i was like the opposite i was like oh you asked the question wow i'm surprised you know like it was just both of us not realizing you know that the question should have been asked or yeah you know that whatever it could because be asked. i didn't expect it of you either so it wasn't you yeah. know it's both of us so but now i'm much more you know cognizant and i feel like i'm talking to people a lot more about you know just and, and also just just being that much more aware of looking at people's faces and their body language and is everything okay is it it, it could be that they were you know somebody you know didn't treat them well and mm-hmm. they didn't in the kitchen you know and it was a you know, a gender specific thing. And it, it's something that I need to address. And I just want to make sure people feel like they can talk to us. And I do think they do here. Right. And in our restaurants, I feel like uh, most everybody feels it's an open door. They can go straight to the top or they can go to their own supervisors. And that doesn't happen in many places, yeah, no. unfortunately. Like a lot of places would, yeah, would claim they have an open door policy, but, but which they is really like don't. complete bullshit. Cause, yeah. You know, like HR would stand for not human resources but like i stand with the company right 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 right. you you can you can screw yourself so on that just kind of to kind of wrap this up a little bit i know this could go on forever but like what is your general major advice to 
especially women cooks, trying to move up, trying to be a boss babe like you. Like, what well, do you? Definitely. What do you say to us? I think um, know your own power. You know, don't underestimate how valuable you are. Don't. It, that's something that women just do as a matter of course. I think from the time we're babies, you know, society kind of doesn't reinforce how valuable we are. They just. It doesn't, it just doesn't as a whole. It's not necessarily your parents or the school you go to or where you get jobs, but as a whole, everything points towards you're not as valuable as, you know, some, as the guy. That sucks. I yeah. mean, I, I do think that just happens. So first and foremost, realize how valuable you are. You are very valuable. And when you believe in yourself, even if you have to, even if you have to pretend and act as if you're valuable, mm -hmm. the other, people res re respect that and respond to that. If you think you're valuable, then they start thinking you're valuable. So I do think that you have to know your own value. And the other thing I would say is to be really open to asking questions about that that you don't think you know enough about. Mm -hmm. You know, be open to asking for help, be open to, you know, constantly pushing yourself because it's not easy, you know. Nobody likes to ask for help. People like to be right. self-sufficient. You know, they like to show off that they know how to do everything. Especially in the kitchen. Yeah, mm -hmm. but you don't. And so, if you can't, if you can, if you can find a way to ask for help and ask to learn constantly, then you're going to be, you're just going to be so much stronger. And you know, you don't have to put up with abuse. You know, I think that's what the Me Too movement has kind of exposed mm -hmm. that it's not necessary. There are, you know, avenues to, you know, change and you have, it's almost our responsibility. I mean, I started to feel actually really beating myself up. Like, did I, could I have done more to not allow this bro culture to get so out of hand? Mm -hmm. Could I have been a, a more, you know, critical or vocal person and helped some of these men realize sooner that this is not okay. I mean, I'm sure I could have, you know, I, would that have changed how quickly I could, you know, move up? You know, I'm sure we that don't was, know. Yeah. you don't know. Yeah. And so, you know, but I do think that in numbers, there's more safety. So if we are all aware and all, you know, yearning for, you know, a healthy workplace that's safe and supportive of women, then I think, um, you know, we can definitely rely on each other for that kind of support. Thank you so much for doing that for me. My pleasure. Definitely. Yeah. I but. tell you, it's, it's really easy when you have a stellar mentee. <laughs> Give us like kudos to you. And Lorraine, Each other. <laughs> Lorraine was a pretty awesome mentee. Thank you. That makes me feel pretty amazing. But I mean, it's just honestly, it was them. They opened a door for me that I couldn't get through. See, it's like so. a chain reaction. And then, and then that's working. what I'm going to do. Yeah. So we're doing that's how together. it works. You pay it forward. Yeah. That's like how you got to do it. That's the only way, really. Yeah, we're really talking about the stuff that matters now. And we're broadcasting it out there. We're trying to give people a voice that don't get a voice. Exactly. So, so hopefully somebody's going to hear it and somebody's going to relate, you know, and reach out too. So. All right. We're going to turn it up a little bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're going to go to our rapid fire questions. We're going to give Mary Sue one minute. <laughs> we're going to ask you questions 
on the fly as you do things in the kitchen. We're gonna start our time right now. What did you eat this morning? Granola. Favorite hobby, not work-related? Soccer. Ooh, I didn't know that. Cat or dog person? Dog. Yes, I always win this. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Favorite pizza? Uh, Anchovy. Most most go-to restaurant in Los Angeles? Queso, sushi. Ooh, in Vegas? A Lotus of Siam. I love that place. Biggest cook pet peeve when you're walking around the kitchen? That people don't taste constantly. Oh yeah, that's good You should be full by the end of your shift. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or the middle, the beginning. (laughs) Uh, Coolest location you've traveled to for food? Oh my gosh, I just got back from Indonesia and I had a fantastic time. Incredible time, cooking and scuba diving. Favorite alcoholic beverage? Oh my gosh, I'd have to say tequila. (laughs) What do you have that with? Or just alone? I liked silver tequila, kind of with a little soda and lime and sometimes, oh, some so she completed fruit. it. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah, like the oh only one God. that's been able to. Everybody else, there's like 10 questions left. Right? Oh, They're really? like, oh. It's yeah. because Mary Sue is yeah. a pro. <laughs> she's a she's pro. So we want to thank you so much for being here today. Oh, it thank was you. awesome. It was a pleasure. You guys are doing a real service to the industry, and I'm excited. Let me know when the podcast is going to be airing, and even when it's not me on the podcast, so mm. I can put it out on my social media. Thank you so much. We are so excited yeah. about it. We're we're going to talk to a lot of Las Vegas chefs because we're I, there's a culinary revolution going on over there, and right. I'm seeing on and all off of the these. Strap things happen on the map and I'm, I'm seeing all these chefs reach out to a community so it's it's not just like a very corporate culture anymore that's great it, it's getting ingrained like right yeah. into the like heart of the locals so I love Las Vegas uh, I love it there I love the, um, the the labor pool compared to California is outstanding you know there's a lot more there's some awesome cooks there yeah. some dishwashers People. right and a lot of people that we've been able to bring up through the, the, the ranks of our restaurant at Mandalay Bay, you know, kids that started out as dishwashers that are now, you know, servers, captains, yeah. even. It's exciting. Yep. Words of wisdom from Mary Sue Milligan. Thank you for joining us today. We'd like to end with a quote like we always do. This one is from Julia Child. Find something you're passionate about and keep tremendously interested in it. Love that. Louis, how can you reach us? You can reach us, Two Sharp Chefs, on Instagram at Two Sharp Chefs, on Facebook at Two Sharp Chefs and a Microphone, and on our email at Two Sharp Chefs at gmail.com. Thank you so much. We'll see you soon. Bye.